Welcome to Resilience Unraveled. Hi everybody and welcome to Resilience Unraveled, a podcast that examines all aspects of personal and organisational resilience. A huge all-encompassing subject that covers the ability to thrive in life by harnessing your cognitive, emotional, physiological and contextual abilities. I share stories from people who have thrived despite remarkable obstacles, as well as highly successful practitioners and experts across a range of topics. And this podcast introduces their amazing stories and expertise, as well as my own reflections, perspectives, strategies and tips, which come from my own synthesis of themes and trends from wider learning. You can go to qedod.com forward slash extras to access offers, tools and resources, including free articles and eBooks. For those of you that would be interested in supporting our work and contributing more proactively, you can find our new Patreon page at patreon.com. Then search for Resilience Unraveled. So, let's get started. Enjoy the show. Good day and welcome back to Resilience Unraveled. And uh, to um, joining me today is a guy called Christian Espinosa, which is a fantastic name, esoteric slightly flavoursome. It's one of those names, I think, that if I was inventing a name for myself to sound like a, a highly intellectual and you know brilliant speaker, I'd have invented for myself. So first of all, good afternoon, Christian. How are you? I'm doing great, Russell. I, I had never heard anybody uh, talk about my name like that. I appreciate it. <laughs> brilliant name. Oh, it's a brilliant name. Seriously. I, I, I'm, I'm assuming it's is it a, a birth name or have you invented it for yourself, a show name? <laughs> it's a birth name, yes. My uh, grandparents are originally from Spain, so Espinosa with the S is uh, the Spanish version of Espinosa. Most people are used to it with a Z, which is the typically yes. the Mexican version. Yes, all right, is that right? Okay, we call it a Z because you know we invented the language. But if you want a oh, Z, that's right. feel free. <laughs> <laughs> Enough of this tomfoolery. Right. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about what it is that you do, Christian. I do several things. Uh, one of the things I do is I'm trying to bring emotional intelligence or EQ, uh, raise the EQ level, the emotional intelligence quotient level with high IQ individuals in career fields such as cybersecurity, where they're super smart, super rationally smart, but they're lacking the people skills. And I believe that lack of people skills is really holding the industry back as well as holding the individuals back. Uh, they're keeping them under a glass ceiling. Okay. And so how did you get into that? What's your what's your own background? I've spent almost 30 years in cybersecurity. I used to be in the military. Uh, so I did cybersecurity in the military. Back then it was called information assurance. And I started a cybersecurity company after about five years of freelance work. I started a cybersecurity company in 2014. And all the problems, not all, I would say 99% of the problems I had in my company were not because my staff lacked technical skills or we lacked processes or procedures or frameworks. It was because my staff didn't have the people skills. Mm. And I was hiring people purely based on their technical aptitude and not really looking at their cultural fit or their, their interpersonal skills. And that really sort of opened me up uh, 
to like this problem or this challenge in the industry. Because when I looked back on my entire career, I realized that this was a recurring problem. So I worked to solve that in my organization to bring back those people skills to to complement the already high IQ. And that's what I ended up writing about in my book, that journey. So interesting. So so you were saying the difference between the sort of the, the broadly rational brain and the skill set around people's skills. Um, do you think those things are mutually exclusive uh, in your experience, or do you think they're, they're learned? I think they're learned. I, I think we a lot of people want, want to say they're mutually exclusive, and we like to kind of like proliferate this idea that if you're, you know, super smart, uh, rationally smart, super high IQ, that it's okay, you don't have any people skills. And I think the fact that we've tolerated this for so long and we, you know, make TV shows about it, we sort of made it mainstream that it's acceptable. But I think like any other skill is something you can learn. And one of the things that I find interesting is a lot of people will that are super high IQ will brag about how smart they are. And I'm like, well, if you're super smart, then these people skills, which there's a few steps to do, you should better learn that too. But they they kind of resist it for some reason because it's outside their comfort zone, I believe. Yeah, I wonder if it's just a form of social conditioning. You'll have seen the provenance of IQ. I don't know if you ever have actually looked at the history of IQ and where it comes from and how flaky it is. And most people with supposed IQ, once they understand the provenance of IQ, want, don't want to be associated with it. And it's it's interesting when AI first arrived, it, we sort of posited this idea of IQ versus EQ, didn't we? And um, so I'm, it was interesting here you meant hearing you sort of use the phrase again because it's um, it's something that's been uh, it's something that's been in the zeitgeist, a lot of zeitgeist now for a long time. What, 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 what made you? What drew you to emotional intelligence as a concept? Uh, really, really, the struggles with with my with my company, and then when I looked back on my own career, I realized that I was one of those people trying to be smarter than other people as well, like looking for an opportunity to speak over someone's head or point out that they were wrong. So I realized that I was part of the problem in the past. So I thought if I can improve my people skills or emotional intelligence, then this will help me go further in my career. Plus, when you own your own business, uh, you've got to be able to do sales and you've got to be able to manage your team. And you, there's a different skill set involved than just uh, you know hands on keyboard, as we say in my industry. Yeah, it is interesting. I've worked quite a lot in that that world as well, not specifically cybersecurity, but with highly intelligent engineers and data analysts and data rational people. And I've never found a problem, actually, once they've been developed in this subject. Um, it, it, and I hate the assumption that because you're data rational or highly intelligent, that somehow that makes you deficient in a, just another competence area. It's It's and I just wonder, it's, it is peculiar how people get pigeonholed into this stereotype. And, you know, it's probably more to do with the spectrum than it is to do with um, intelligence, I wonder. Um, so it's interesting yeah. that it came to you when you're you're running your business, because that's very practical, isn't it? You do have to deploy empathy. You've got to show insight. You've got to explain things. You've got to communicate. You've got to deal with conflict, all those things which are called emotional intelligence in the old days we used to call them soft skills which i always used to laugh about because they were they were neither they weren't really soft were they because they're the fundamentals so as a business owner do you think that there's a there should be a development program for leaders around this sort of emotional intelligence capability what's what's your view on that 
hundred percent. I think there should be uh, a development program around developing leadership skills, really, which I think tie into people skills and emotional intelligence. A lot of companies, and this is what I've noticed, will take their best engineer or their best technician and just promote them to a position of leadership mm-hmm. without giving them any training, assuming that they were good at some technical role, that they will be good at the leadership role. But those are two drastically different skill sets. And I think if you're going to promote somebody to a position of management or leadership, there should be a lot of training that comes along with that. And the awareness that, you know, just because they're great as an operator doesn't mean they're going to be great as a, as a leader. Sure. So you're, you're, you're characterizing leadership as a sort of a people develop, a, a people operating, a operant people condition where leadership is about the aspects of people and performance and behavior. Is that, is that where you see that? Cause there's many, 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 there are more views about leadership than there are about emotional intelligence. There's a lot of those. So um, I'm just thinking where you come from on that leadership sort of paradigm, really. Yeah, I think leadership, uh, when I say leadership, to me, it's about leading yourself, number one, I think you have, which is, you know, you're a person, so you have to deal with your emotions and all that. So I, I think being able to lead yourself and then lead others and influence others to accomplish something uh, when I refer to management, management is more like keeping everything on track. Uh, and it's less about the influence of people for my if I, for my definition. Yes. Okay. That, that's useful. Okay. Um, all right then. So um, so that makes sense that we we want to skill leaders up to be more um, uh, more sensible, more rounded, and such like. Is it your belief that as we skill leaders to be so, that somehow their rational side diminishes, or you know, the, like there's a net deficit uh, as we improve one, that one falls away? Uh, what, what, what do you think about that? I don't think there's a net deficit or it diminishes. I think, and this is a that's a good question you asked because a lot of uh, my technical staff um, in the past wouldn't want to take a leadership role because they felt like their technical skills would go away and they would know they'd be obsolete. Uh, so I think the technical skills can still be there. You still have the the high rational intelligence. Uh, you just are developing those people skills and you can pick up pick back up the technical skills if you need to. Uh, and what I try to explain to my technical staff was if if you've already got the technical skills and you can develop the people skills that will make you you know an awesome leader because there's there's rarely do you have somebody with both both skill sets mm. yeah it's interesting isn't it i think there's um there's been this movement hasn't there a way just as you say you you promote your best technical person, salesperson, nurse, teacher, whatever it might be, you put them into management and somehow that's that's seen as a, a seen as almost as a lesser career, perhaps because those skills are more transferable, more more easily to acquire. The leadership management skills is what I'm talking about here. And then but you can always fall back into your technical side should you need it. If that management leadership thing doesn't work out for you. And um, and my view has always been that actually that's a profession in its own right with its own skills and competencies and you know um, it, it works a different way. I'm sure since you've been working as a leader, you've had to look for funding, you've had to find how you know you've got to do account management. These things are these things are massively important, aren't they? And they deserve a they deserve a stream of um, 
ability or competence for themselves. The fact that you happen to be in a in a technical place doesn't really matter. I'd contend that you could get anyone from, and I'll pose this to you now, I reckon you'd get anyone from any world to come and manage your company if they've got good emotional intelligence and leadership skills. Does, does that make sense? Because those skills are sort of interchangeable. I, I agree. I think they are interchangeable. I mean, there's the industry specific, somebody would have to learn in the cultural aspect, but they are interchangeable. And, and I, I write about this in my book. I, I, I think life skills and people skills or emotional intelligence, whatever label you want to put upon it, mm. uh, has a infinite shelf life, whereas technical skills have a finite shelf life because there's going to be new technology, new updates. So from an investment of your time perspective, it makes more sense to learn something or some skills that are always going to be applicable and in a broader spectrum that will help you across everything, really. So that's my perspective. Otherwise, you're sort of like pigeonholing yourself into one specific thing. Mm. I think that's a wonderful way of putting it, actually. Um, uh, it's one of those things I enjoy most about podcasts when I guess say something that makes you really think. And I'm just thinking, are people's skills infinite? Isn't, is, is, is that true? I can see how technical skills are, but don't people get developed to the point of competence in these areas and therefore the skills are in for it are, are finite as well but the problem is that so many people are so far behind the the median of what it should be like it seems like it's a it's a huge journey yeah well i, I think the people skills if you develop those will uh you know they'll be applicable for the rest of your life if you get better at dealing with um conflict or having crucial conversations there's going to be situations that play out for the rest of your life where you'll you'll be able to use that skill set and that's why i say they have an infinite shelf life whereas if i get better at a specific cybersecurity tool for instance or a, a specific technical thing uh, at some point uh that thing's going to change and that skill set will become obsolete that's all yeah. i'm saying yeah no i think it's a really really shrewd observation so uh, it's funny i've never heard anyone mention or express it that way before i like that and so you alluded in that sort of statement that you'd written a book so you better tell us something about that because i'm guessing it's going to be a it's going to be something amazing tell me more i wrote a book about my journey with my cybersecurity company Every Thursday we had a meeting and I worked really hard to develop that emotional intelligence and those people skills in my company. And the things that worked is what I included in my book. My book is called The Smartest Person in the Room because I think people want to get their significance by being smarter than somebody else, especially in my industry. Mm -hmm. And that inhibits collaboration and communication. So when you add the emotional intelligence component to that, and use my seven-step framework uh, as, as a means to help with that. Uh, I, I've used that to solve the problem in my company, and I think other people have got benefit from the book as well. Yeah, good. And, and when you were, and when you started, this is might be a peculiar question. I'm just interested. Um, when you started learning about emotional intelligence, what was the very first thing you started to learn? I mean, you look back and start to you know to analyze your own learning journey. Uh, the first thing I learned was awareness. Really, uh, awareness of myself as being part of the problem. Uh, like I, I mentioned that we all want to be significant for something. We all want to be understood and appreciated. And most of us want to feel significant. In the past, I felt significant by knowing more than other people, by being able to do things faster than other people, by being able to achieve more than other people. But I realized 
uh, once I had the awareness that that was causing conflict with my relationships because I was always trying to outdo somebody. Uh, and it made me not really belong to anything because I was always trying to achieve more than everybody. And just looking back and reflecting on my own journey, uh, you know, was pretty sobering, I guess, how I, uh, you know, was part of the problem in the past that, but I, I now have the awareness. So I think the awareness is the first part, Yeah. but the awareness, you know, unless you can do something with it, unless it's actionable, it doesn't really matter. Sort of like knowledge is not power unless you could do something with it. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. In fact, uh, awareness and knowledge are two different things entirely, really, when you think about it. So it's even worse. Yeah. Worse. So no, I think that's fascinating because I think a lot of people start by learning about other people um, and forgetting that self-awareness piece, which is, is at the cornerstone of emotional intelligence because we are the template against who we judge every, every other person and the you know the every every event that we're looking at. And the, and the thing I find, and I don't know as an engineer, you might be able to explain this better to me, the fascinating thing with self-awareness is the more you have, the more you realize you don't have, if that makes sense. It's, <laughs> it's like it's like it's like becoming a doctor and realize realizing how little you know. But when you were <laughs> when, when you had none, you were quite happy thinking you knew everything. It's quite peculiar, isn't it? I'm sure there's a I'm sure there's an algorithm for that somewhere. <laughs> I agree with that. It's like once you sort of open Pandora's box, <laughs> there's no going back. Yeah. yeah. And, then, and, and, and you mentioned self-awareness. I, I'm a like when I talk about leadership, I talk about leading yourself. When I talk about awareness, I talk about self-awareness first. I think those are two things that are extremely important. And I I'm a neurolinguistic uh, programming practitioner. So one of the things we talk about in NLP is that uh, perception is projection. So what we perceive in others, we're just playing a movie, basically our own movie against them. And and that really helps with awareness because we tend to see things that others that we see within ourselves or the things that are bothering us within ourselves that we may not even know about. Yeah. yeah good old young. I mean, he was really at the forefront, wasn't he coming up with that concept? Um, yeah. Oh, in the dark side, I think he called it the dark shadow or something. It was great, great area. Yeah. Um, but I, I think that's true as well. And I think, I think people struggle to understand that you can only see, difficulties in other people which are reflections of your own and intellectually you have to really wrestle with that phrase don't you i've got because actually there's another neuroscience school of thought that says you can only spot differences in other people that you don't have because they stick out and you notice them because it's part of the non-in-group mm-hmm. methodology so it is interesting as time moves forward how the whole people thing changes because of the advances in science generated by people like yourself and you know those programmers that you have this and it's a wonderful sort of i think a dance between the the emotionally intelligent and the you know the the very smart people and it's actually how do we work together how do we get the best out of each community because actually i think right. if you're too if you're too much either way or if you're too much in the middle so you become a sort of a blend you sort of lose the beauty of each individual being the sort of in their own niche in those areas. So I think somehow it's about a leader getting the best out of a, a team without changing that team in some sort of way. It's about how do you get, how do you, how do you maximize the potential they had without saying, well, actually let's bolt on a load of skills to make you just the same as everybody else. I wonder what you think about that. I, I, I agree with that. Um, I mean, you don't want to make somebody so well, well-rounded, they have no point. Um, yeah. Oh, that's a great so, yeah, phrase. I like I, that. I, I, <laughs> I'm going to steal I, I that if I may and write that one down for myself. 
<laughs> sure. I, I think it, like you said, it, we have all got unique skill sets and the, the goal as a leader is to be able to work harmoniously with those skill sets. And, and a lot of that requires you know, a, a baseline level of the people skills. We don't need to develop everybody to the maximum with emotional intelligence, but if we're going to collaborate effectively and communicate effectively and deal with conflict, uh, it helps if we have some tools in our toolkit, uh, especially if we're, you know, a highly technical individual that isn't used to to having this sort of conversations. But to be a contributor to the organization, if we can communicate effectively what we're working on and the solution and the challenges, then that certainly helps the overall organization. Yeah. Oh, great. So, um, and so the tell me, so the book who's who's it written for, Christian? Who, who who's your target sort of audience member? There are three primary target audiences. Uh, the first one are leaders, uh, leaders of technical staff or leaders of high IQ individuals that might be dealing with this challenge. The second audience are the high IQ individuals themselves, the people that are super rationally smart and are wondering why they're being held down, like what, why they're not getting promoted. Like they don't realize there's a glass ceiling over the head, their head. And the third third audience is anyone interested in like why we're losing the cyber war, because I believe we're losing the cyber war because of this this challenge in the industry. Uh, it's not unique to cybersecurity, but from my experience, uh, a lot of the challenges we have in the industry are a result of the lack of people skills, not a lack of technology, not a lack of frameworks, not a lack of any of that stuff. You know, we've got enough artificial intelligence, this and that, and next generation stuff where you know, we should be able to stop. We should be able to stop all the cyber attacks, but it's really the people skills that are the the challenge. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 fascinating because I think people people like me on the people side probably think that the technical side is under underplayed. So it's interesting you seeing it the other way around. It gives me hope because there's a lot of talk and uh, on the people side that that we're all going to you know coaches, consultants, counselors, all that lot, all going to be replaced by AI. So uh, do you see that as a potential application of this sort of technology? I I think there will be some replacement with AI because some people just need someone to talk to, for instance. But it, I think it, it depends how great the AI gets. You know, the AI... Uh, one of the challenges is is empathy um, mm. and understanding, you know, the the nonverbal cues. I'm sure we can program that in there. Sometimes when we're communicating with someone to 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 look at, you know, facial expressions and things, and have um, the bot or whatever respond a specific way. But I think the actual empathy that requires you to to to, to tune into a time where you felt similar to the other person. Uh, you know, AI is not going to be able to have that and have that heartfelt empathy, which I think, you know, is kind of dwindling from our society today where we've, we live in a distraction filled world where nobody's hardly present anymore. Mm. And is that because of technology or do you think it's something else? Do you think it's actually down to leadership, people skills? I think they're related. I think this this idea that we need to multitask all the time. We need to be on our mm. phone. We we talk to people virtually. We text people instead of call them. I, I think that diminishes the people skills because we don't practice them. And I think it also ties to leadership because uh, self-leadership, 
you know, if if you're having problems communicating with someone, for instance, via email or text, and you you can sense some tension as a, a way of leading yourself, pick up the phone and have a conversation on the phone, because usually things can be resolved much easier on the phone. But for some reason, a lot of people resist even doing that. And I'm not really sure, you know, how we've become accustomed to this uh, sort of like disconnected society. Mm. I just wonder to what extent you think COVID has had a, an impact on it. Yeah, I think COVID has definitely exacerbated it and even made people afraid of meeting in person. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I think before COVID, we were pretty disconnected. And after COVID, a lot of people started working from home. They started ordering all their food and groceries, you know, had mm. to be delivered. So they went out less and um, just become more isolated. And I think when you're more isolated, uh, you're not practicing those people skills. So they they dwindle away, just like if you're Without your computer for several months, you're not practicing your technical skills on the computer, so they're going to dwindle away as well. Mm. Now, again, you briefly alluded to your um, your sort of um, methodology. Um, you said, I think I think you said it had seven steps in it, or that might be my imagination. Is, was that true? Is this a is this a sort of leadership methodology that you've developed? I call it the secure methodology. There are seven steps. You're correct. I call it the secure methodology because I believe a lot of the challenges we have are a result of insecurities within ourselves. So I think if you can adapt, um, adopt the seven steps, and, and it's a journey. It's not like a, a light switch. You just all of a sudden have everything resolved. I think if you can work on those, you'll become more secure within yourself. You'll have more inner peace. And through that inner peace, uh, will allow you to be more fulfilled and happy in your life and and achieve more with less friction that that's the whole concept yes okay brilliant all right so um the book is called the smartest person in the room the root cause and new solution for cybersecurity and i've just been on to uh, amazon.co.uk and it's there and uh, I have to say, stellar re reviews, fantastic reviews, in fact. So that's that's always great to see. Are there other places that people can get hold of the book? And and if people want to chat to you, how can they do that? The book is primarily on Amazon. It's on all books, all major booksellers. Uh, it's I also have the Audible version on audible.com uh, okay. if you want to listen, listen to it. Uh, they can get a hold of me on my website, christianespinoza.com, Espinoza with an S. And then I've also got a course that aligns with the book and, and goes over in detail that's those seven steps in that methodology. And are you a LinkedIn person? I am a LinkedIn person, yes. They can find me on LinkedIn as well. All the social media, Twitter, Instagram, maybe even on TikTok. I'm not the best TikToker, but I'm on TikTok as well. What are you doing? Are you, are you sort of grooving and doving down with the, the kids? <laughs> yeah, no, I don't do the, the the selfie videos on TikTok or whatever you're supposed to do. I just do a few images and stuff. <laughs> oh, it's been an absolute joy to talk to you. It's really lovely to talk about uh, leadership. And I love your idea of coming in from that sort of cybersecurity security type thing, because I think a lot of people are fascinated with that world. And to discover that world has the same sort of challenges as, I don't know, retail or um, education. It sort of brings us all closer together in a funny sort of way, I think. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we have, we have a lot more similarities than we think. We've been kind of brainwashed to only look at the differences, in my opinion. 
Amen to that. All right. Well, it's been a joy to spend time with you today, uh, Christian. Good luck with the book. Uh, again, you can get hold of Christian on the show notes. You'll be able to see that. And the book is in Amazon of all the different varieties on flavors of Amazon. So thank you for taking time to talk to us today. Yeah, thank you, Russell. Take care. Hi, everybody. I hope you found that episode useful and interesting. Feedback is always welcomed, and if you are in the mood to subscribe to us or even leave a comment on iTunes or Stitcher, that would be amazing. If you want to suggest ideas or even people you would like me to interview, then reach out to us at qedod.com forward slash contact. As I said earlier, you can go to qedod.com forward slash podcast for show notes or follow the links. And you can go to qedod.com forward slash extras to access offers, tools and resources, including free articles and ebooks. For those of you that would be interested in supporting our work and contributing more proactively, you can find our new Patreon page at patreon.com, then search for Resilience Unraveled. I look forward to being in your ear next time around. Take care.